1 Samuel 14 is where we will start. Man, I feel something in here today. Something, something is here today. There's power in just one step. There's power in just one decision. There's power in just one movement. One move, one decision, one step could unleash overwhelming change in your life and release to you innumerable blessings. One decision, one step, one move. Say it with me. All it takes is one. Verse 1, 1 Samuel 14. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come. Let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. Say that, the other side. But he did not tell his father. His father, Saul, was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migrant. With him were about 600 men among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son, be careful of this, he was the son of Ichabod's brother. Ichabod means the glory has been removed. Ahijah, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware, listen carefully, no one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach these Philistines was a cliff. One was called Bozaz, the other was called Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Did you hear what he said? Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Listen carefully. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. I'll say it again. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Let that be tattooed to your heart today. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Whether by many or by few. The armor bearer said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then. We will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we're going to stay here where we are and not go to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up. Say those words, we will climb up. Because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the enemy. Look, said the enemy, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they were hiding in. All it takes is one. 
The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. What did the enemy say? Come on, we're going to teach you a lesson. And Jonathan looked to his armor bearer and said, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind Jonathan. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in a half acre of land. Then panic. Say those two words. Then panic. There's a new panic about to hit the earth. Then panic struck the whole army. The enemy ain't never seen a pandemic like this. Those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties fell down, the ground shook. Listen to what it says. It was a panic sent by God. All it takes is one. Shout it. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Have your way today. Break every generational curse. Let the anointing drop down on every person in this building. Let them feel you, the tangible presence of God on their life. In Jesus' name, everyone shout praise the Lord. One more time, would you give him that one more praise you've been wanting to give him all day? Is that it? Give him that good praise, y'all. We started out, you may be seated, 2021, talking about one, the power of one. I wrote this down in review because I want us to consider some things in relation to one. The first thing that the Jewish children learn to say and the last thing that they say before they die is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. That is exclusive theology. No man goes to the Father except through Jesus. We discussed the thought that one thing matters, right? Two sisters in one house, Mary and Martha. Martha was cumbered about with the details. Mary was enamored with the word of God. Martha tried to get Jesus to rebuke Mary, and Mary never said a word. I'll say it again. Mary never said a word. Or we could learn something from Mary. She let Jesus speak for her. I'll leave that there. Someone said these words, there's only one of you. There's only one of you in all time. And that expression is, of course, unique. If you block it, it will never exist through any other form or fashion 
it will be lost, meaning you will be lost if you deny that there is only one of you. Now lift one hand and say, I am unique. I am conspicuous. Say this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell your neighbor, there's nobody like me in the whole world. I am an original blessing. I am one of a kind. I got it going on. Yeah. It takes one seed to produce much fruit. It takes one seed to produce much fruit. The tree is in the seed. The fruit is in the tree. Without the seed, there's no fruit. One seed. It takes one decision to change your destiny. Everything that God starts, he starts with one. Everything that God starts, he starts with one. T.D. Jakes said these words, the power of change begins with one. The power of change begins with one. Helen Keller said it like this, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. Say it, I am one. I am only one, but I am one. All it takes is one. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I am going to preach for three hours and five minutes today. Take a deep breath, sit back, relax, pull your sandwich out. Because we're going to be here for a minute. If you need to leave, God bless you. God bless you. And you're going to miss something powerful. And you all know I'm being facetious. I will not preach three hours and five minutes. Just three hours. I need you to say it. By the way, for those of you who do not know, this is a participatory church. This is not a church for spectators. Therefore, we say things like, say this with me, or say this to your neighbor. We used to say, touch your neighbor and say. But now we can't do that. Well, some of you say, I can do it. You're going to do it anyway. First Samuel, chapter 14 is our text. There's this young boy named Jonathan. Jonathan. When you hear that name, you immediately think of David. David. Jonathan and David. Jonathan tells David, my soul loves you beyond the love of a woman. It's very interesting, the loyalty, the covenant that these two men enjoy together. David was a strong man who understood the rule and reign of kingdom principles. 
He understood the power of the sequence of God's kingdom. He understood the principle of succession in God's kingdom. That everything comes down to us in order to come through us. Some of you are going to receive a download today. Hallelujah. So when you look at Jonathan, Jonathan is a young man that decided to do something. Let me explain myself. David is different, see, because when David is called by God, God sent a prophet called Samuel to anoint him with a horn of oil. Everything about David's call was very demonstrative. He's tending sheep. The next minute he's in the house. The next minute he's getting oil poured all over him. He don't know what's going on. And an old prophet is telling him that God chose you, son. Jonathan didn't get that luxury. Jonathan is much like Deborah. Deborah never had some tangible manifestation of God show up in her life and say, Deborah, do something. Deborah decided to do something. See, many people want an audible voice from God before they do something. Other people say, I'm not going to sit here and watch this. I'm just going to go ahead and do something. Hmm. Yeah. There are those that make things happen. There are those that watch things happen. And then there are those that wonder, what just happened? <laughs> Jonathan. You find his lineage in chapter 9 of 1 Samuel. The Bible says there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any others. When you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 8, verse 33, it tells us about Kish. Kish begat Saul, and Saul begat Jonathan. In the lineage of Jonathan, everyone say lineage. See, lineage is important. Some of you have a spiritual heritage that you have not honored. Some of us are here because our aunt on my mother's side prayed us into the kingdom. Some of you think you're here just vicarious or just showed up spontaneously. You just decided. Just, no, somebody prayed you to where you are. <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> but in the lineage of Jonathan is very interesting because the Bible says his grandfather was in right standing. Kish. Right standing means the characteristic of honor and integrity. Right standing. Then... Mephibosheth followed after him. Huh. So his grandfather represents right standing. His son represents restoration. Because his son was crippled and felt like he would never qualify to sit at a king's table. But because he was born in the right lineage, he was able to enjoy the king's favor. That's strong. So preceding him is right standing. Succeeding him is restoration. Strong stuff. But his father, Jonathan's father, Saul, 
is known as a man who is not necessarily in right standing. Didn't really know much about restoration, but as a matter of fact, he was very irresponsible. So he was born from a father that exemplified irresponsibility. Some of us look to our mentors, we look to those who should have had the greatest influence on us and were disappointed because they didn't handle what they had appropriately. Talk in this building, Pastor Reed. And his father loses his position. And we find out how he lost his position in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. There are five things listed that made Jonathan's dad lose his position. He is waiting for Samuel to get there to offer sacrifice so that he could defeat the Philistines. But Samuel did not arrive. You can read it 1 Samuel 13 verses 8 through 12. Samuel didn't arrive when Saul thought he should have been there. And he took matters in his own hand. Here, here's the five things if you're wondering what they are. But let, just let me say this to you. Saul was caught in a crisis. Progress in a leader's life depends on his obedience in times of crisis. Progress in a leader's life. Depends on his obedience in a time of crisis. Crisis defines our purpose and it refines our life. It will tell you who you are and why you are here. Crisis will tell you who you are and why you are here. Crisis will tell others what you're made of. And if you have the potential to lead. Five things will make you lose your place of leadership. And they're found in 1 Samuel 13, verses 8 through 12. Number one is impatience. Not waiting on God. Thinking it ought to happen when you say it ought to happen. I'll go through them quickly. Number two is misposition. He mispositioned himself. He was a king and he stepped out of his office and started acting like a priest. He took on a role that he was not anointed to be employed in. He was disobedient, number three. The Bible says you have not kept the commandment of the Lord, 1 Samuel 13, 13. He was disobedient. Number four, he had misplaced faith. 1 Samuel 13, 11 says, listen what Saul said. I saw that the people were scattered from me. He had more confidence in numbers. He had more confidence in the number of people with him than he did in the fact that God was on his side. Many pastors are being shaken to their core right now because suddenly they're waking up to two-thirds of my church is gone. Many of them are quitting ministry. And my question is, were you called to begin with? Because I can tell you this, God's got a way of shaving off the fat. If you don't believe me, talk to Gideon. I'd rather have 300 that are with me than 32,000 that's trying to figure out what's happening. And Saul's army has shrank from 3,000 
to now 600. He had faith in numbers, not faith in deity. The fifth thing he did is he retreated. Instead of advancing, he retreated. He went from Bethel, the house of God, to Gilgal, the place of rolling, the place of revolving, not evolving. And his army dwindles from 3,000 to 600. Jonathan had a lineage that rested in a daddy that backslid. God is good. Thank God for men that just stay in there. They just stay in it. Come hell or high water, giving's good, giving ain't good. Chairs are packed, chairs ain't packed. Building is full, building is empty. And they just keep on preaching and sweating and anointed and keep on prophesying and keep believing and keep telling people God promised it to you. Don't let go of it. Keep encouraging people no matter what's going on in their life. They just stay with it. Oh, for daddies that would be like that in their homes that their children can look at their daddy and say, you know what, my daddy kept serving God even though he didn't have a job, he lost stuff. My mama, my mama got on her knees and kept on praying when nobody else was praying. Thank God for leaders that know how to just stay in there and get something done. Hmm. The Bible says in verse 16 of 1 Samuel 13, y'all still with me? Because locations are important in Scripture that they were in this place called Michmash. I'll read it. Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in Gibeah in Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. Verse 17 says, and the spoilers came out. You know what happens when you get mispositioned in life? The spoilers come out. Fathers, husbands, hear me. Women of God, hear me. When we get mispositioned in life, the spoilers come out. As long as we are where we are supposed to be, the enemy knows not to mess with you. But the moment you take a sidestep, change your mind about who you are in Christ, the spoilers are coming. The word spoilers mean to pervert or to destroy, to steal or to ultimately bring to poverty. The spoilers came out when Saul was mispositioned. And the enemy was hiding in Michmash, which means a hidden place. The enemy was waiting for the leader to take one wrong step. When leaders do not take a stand, the spoilers will rob you of your very destiny and everybody else attached to you. The Bible says in chapter 13 on the day of the battle, verse 20, Verse 22, not a soldier was Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Hmm. Good God have mercy. The people of God, when you read chapter 13, you're going to find this out, Gino. This is crazy. The people of God were going to the Philistines to have their tools sharpened. I'm going to say it again. The people of God were going to the Philistines to have their tools sharpened. Sharpened. The people of God were going to the enemy 
to get their tools sharp. Why is the church following after the pattern of a secular society that has divided at its very root? Why do you repeat what the world does? Why is the church suddenly sounding just like the world to where you get on social media and you don't even know who's saved no more? You don't even know who's born again no more because everybody sounds the same. See, you got to get this differentiation in your spirit. You got to get it in your soul. There's a difference in the kingdom of God and the systems of this world. My question to you is where are you getting your tools sharpened? Who is sharpening you? Hmm. Wow. Verse 2, chapter 4. I'm trying. Somebody said preach, preacher. I'm trying. Hmm. And in our text, Saul is staying in migraine, which means to yield to fear or to be cast down because of terror. Leaders Listen to me, yielding to fear and being cast down because of terror. Now put yourself in Saul's shoes just for a minute. His people have left him. The church shrank from 3,000 to 600. He's sending his people to get their tools sharpened by the enemy. Now, he is in a place of being cast down because of terror. Hiding because of fear. Okay, here come the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. The prophetic word of the Lord to this generation is this. Come out, come out wherever you are. Come out. Come out. Wherever you are. Come out. When the pandemic hit, I was waiting for the word of the Lord. Where's our men of God? What is so and so going to say right now? And you know what? Everybody went quiet. Suddenly, every preacher became politically correct. And we let terror put preachers in hiding. Not wanting to face stuff. Not wanting to stand in front of their people. No wonder they wanted empty buildings. Because they didn't have nothing to say face to face. Good quiet now. But everybody was terrified. Everybody's in terror. The people are scattering. And Saul is backslid. Woo, some of y'all are looking at me like a, a mule that looks at good grass. I ain't seen that in a while. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I got a feeling? There's some prophets being made in caves. I got a feeling there's some apostles being hewn out of the rock that have been in hiding that's about to make themselves known. 
I got a feeling there are churches that dot the landscape of the United States of America that's fixing to stand up and say, we ain't scared. Well, I got five people that are with me right there. Somebody shouted, all it takes is one. Say it again, all it takes is one. See, we've talked about his lineage, we've talked about this location, but let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about it. One day, that's our text. One day, verse one, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come. God did not say, Jonathan, go. He didn't come down and say, Jonathan, I have called you to make a difference. Jonathan said, I have had enough of this crap. I don't need God to tell me. I don't need a word. I don't need a conference. I don't need doodads running up and down my back. I don't need to buck. I don't need to quicken. We in a mess. And I know I got to do something. See, when you see the crisis for what it is, it don't make you hide. It makes you stand up and say, bring it on. Because the name of the Lord of hosts is on our side. You have come to defy the people of God. But we have come to take you out. One day Jonathan said, come on, let's go to the Philistine outpost on the other side. He didn't tell his father. Five keys to successful leadership. And I'm going to be done. Number one, there's a passage of leadership. There's the passage of leadership. Verse 4 and 5 of our text. 1 Samuel 14 says, On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the enemy was a cliff. One was called Bozaz, the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north, the other to the south. There are cliffs you're going to have to climb if you're going to be an effective leader. Leadership is all about climbing. Not caving. Talking is building preacher. If you are not closer to him yesterday than you were or today than you were yesterday, you're not climbing. Com compromise is the enemy to your climb. I'm gonna say it again. Compromise is the enemy to your climb. Bozaz, one of one of these cliffs means to shine. Cena, the other one means to be sharp. In Hebrew, one represents purity. The other one represents perseverance. If you're not going to live pure, and if you're not going to walk with perseverance, you'll never be a great leader. Purity and perseverance produce one thing, integrity. Integrity is being who you say you are. Integrity is doing what you say you're going to do. People will not follow very long anyone who lacks integrity. Come on, preacher. If you have not been through some stuff and remain pure, you are not a leader. I didn't say you would always be pure, but you'll come back to your purity. If you do not know how to persevere in trial, you are not a leader. Say it again. If you do not know how to persevere in trial, you are not a leader. 
persevere comes through two words. Per through severe severity. Seeing through severity. If you can't see through the season of severity, you don't qualify to be a leader. Leaders always are optimistic about the other side of what is severe. You know what is on the other side of what is severe? Success. And I came by to tell you it's time for you to look through the mess. See the other side of it. Quit acting like you're going to be right here your whole life. If there's anybody in the building that believe it's going to get better, I double dog dare you to give God a praise like you can see the other side. Tell your neighbor I can see the other side. Woo. Glory to your name, Jesus. The passage of leadership, you can sit down, is purity and perseverance. The power of leadership. Verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go to the outposts of the enemy perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few do all that you have in mind the armor bearer said go ahead I'm with you heart and soul leadership is not measured in numbers leadership is measured by influence John Maxwell defines leadership as one thing, influence, the power to affect someone else. My question to you is what are you using your influence for? Jesus led by influence. Follow me. And they followed him. Paul led by influence. Follow me as I follow Christ. If you're not brave enough to tell people to follow you, then you're not strong enough to be a leader. The problem is no one wants to lead right now because they are afraid of mistakes. I would rather lead and mess up than sit on my tail and watch the world crumble around me. I would rather lead and go back after a mistake and say I got it wrong than sit there and do nothing. I'm glad I got 20 sanctified people that, that like this message here. The passage of leadership, the power of leadership, the position of leadership. Come, let's cross over toward these men and let them see us. True leaders have no problem with coming out of hiding. The position of leadership takes initiative. The position of leadership takes initiative. The position of leadership does not need instruction. The position of leadership sees what needs to be done and does it. They don't need somebody to tell them, go and do this. That's instruction. Initiative sees the mess and says, I'm going to handle it. Oh, for more leaders in churches that would just take initiative. Initiative is walking down the hall and seeing a piece of paper laying in the hallway on the floor and picking it up and putting it in the trash can and not waiting for Conan to get here on Monday to clean the mess up. It's taking initiative. Initiative is seeing that we need help in the children's church and you just sign up. You don't need nobody telling you to. Initiative is seeing something that needs to be done and you do it and you ain't got to be told to do it. That's leadership. Wow. This last season has got some of you so separated from church you don't know the difference in initiative or instruction because you had not been here enough. Not only here, in your living room, you ain't even listening. We've got too many 
I'm going to say it. Superficial plastic punk churches. I'm just telling you. Sensitive, thin-skinned Christians. We can't get nothing done because we're afraid to ask you because we're afraid your feelings might get hurt. Hmm. Number four, the preparation of leadership. He said, wait here. If they say wait here till we come to you, we're going to wait for them. But if they say come up, we're going to get it on. Somebody say, we're going to get it on. Yes, yeah, see, God is looking for a people right now that are saying, let's get it on. God is looking for the people of God that will say, come on. Come on, enemy, bring it. You're not going to destroy my family. I've had enough of it. You're not going to destroy my church. I've had enough of it. Bring it. Because in the name of Jesus, I'm going to be like David, and I'm going to run toward Goliath instead of waiting for Goliath to come toward me. Get in your enemy's face, blood-bought, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled believers, and tell the enemy, I am not afraid of you. Is there any strong, courageous believers in the building? Do not back down. I wrote this down this morning. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you would like to win but believe you can't, you will not. Life's battles do not always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who says, I can. Stop saying we can't, church. Stop saying we can't build a charter school or a private school or have a Bible college or we can't because of the pandemic and we can't because of the COVID and we can't because of the finances and we can't because of the crisis and we can't because there's not enough. To hell with the devil. Stand up and say, yes, we can. And yes, we will. Shout it with me. Yes, we can. And yes, we will. Say it three times. Yes, we can. And yes, come on one more time. Yes, we can. And yes, we will. Woo. Glory to God. The influence you allow will be the image you portray. If fear is influencing you, you will look afraid. But if faith is influencing you, you will look courageous. I'll say it again, the influence you allow will determine the image you portray. Leaders must be up for it. Leaders must be up for it. I told our men yesterday, men, did we get raw in here yesterday? Yeah, we went all in yesterday. And I told them yesterday, listen, man, you got, you got to be strong. We ain't the guys at Sonic. Say it again, Pastor Rick. We are not the guys at Sonic. How would you like your ice cream? Oh, I just love that ice cream. Why do they portray us like that? What happened to the Marlboro man? Seriously. What happened to Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? What happened to the Gladiator? Every man on a commercial is, oh, I love this underarm deodorant. Smell it. 
I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, y'all are freaking weird. You're weird. We're normal. We get out here and act like men. We do men stuff. We dig around in the dirt, change oil, get grease on our nails. Don't always say things without slipping a cuss word in there. Oh, that's too real for you, huh? Because you're used to sissies. Where's the men at? Where's real men? And this is the whole agenda to pacify this generation. It's a whole agenda. Slip a transgender in there. Make it sissy. Make it swish when it walks. Where's men that walk with their hips square and their shoulders strong? Boy, I'm glad I got about 20 men in here that know what it is to be a man. You don't ever hear nothing about manliness or manhood. Everything is about adopting to a new way of life. Let me just ask this question for you guys. Sit down, Randy. Stand up one more time. All you brothers that are already standing, those who are not standing, if you'd like to stand, stand now because I'm going to ask you to do something. <laughs> you know what women love seeing? A man with a tool belt on. Am I right, girl? You could be at your job working on a computer, but when you come home, take your shirt off, put a tool belt on. Just walk through the house. Hey, girl, been thinking about you today. And she'll just, oh, you look so awesome in a tool belt. <laughs> Girls, am I right about it? You know what? Women like hearing men that lift their voice in church and it sounds like a rumble. Men, wake up. Is there any mighty men in this building? See, as a pastor, you get to see this. You can sit down because when you give altar calls for men and men come up, the men's backs are to their wives, but I get to see their wives. And their wives are crying. Why? Because their man went to the altar and they just think that's flipping awesome. That's my man, baby. That's my man. Go on and raise your hand, baby. Lift your hands, baby. Tell them. Boy, send me pictures, please. Y'all post them on Facebook when your man walks through the living room of your house with his tool belt on. I want to see it. Hashtag tool belt, baby. I done got tickled nasty, Butch. I done got messed up here. Okay. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> the purpose of leadership 
is to wear a tool belt. Now, the purpose of leadership is to make a difference. Somebody say, make a difference. True leaders make a difference. The Bible says in verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. I'm thinking about Giovanna watching me right now, baby. Girl, you know. That's all I'm going to say. Rock that baby. They showed themselves to the enemy and they said, and, and the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. Listen, true leaders show up when it's time for battle. They made themselves known. Somebody say all it takes is one. When I saw this, the Lord spoke to me very strong and said these words to me. When you show up, I'll show out. If you'll show up, I'll show out. If you'll just make yourself known. Here I am, enemy. You ain't got to look for me. You ain't got to dig through stuff to find me. I'm right here. If, you, if you're looking for me, just look for the blood of Jesus right here. If you're looking for me, just look for a man of God right here. I'm right here. I ain't hiding. And God said, if you'll show up, I'll show out. If you'll tell the enemy, you're not having my wife. You're not having my child. You're not having my grandchildren. You ain't having my possessions. You're not getting my health. You're not getting my wealth. You're not getting my congregation. You ain't getting no property. You ain't getting nothing. I'm right here. You don't have to look far. I'm right here. Somebody say, make yourself known. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those that believe, to the Greeks, to the unsaved, to the Gentile. It's the power of God. Somebody shouted, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. Now I'll finish it. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up here. We're going to teach you a lesson. A lesson. Now watch this. Jonathan said to the armor bearer, climb up after me. You know the story. Look down to verse 15. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. God spoke to me and said, if my people will show themselves strong, I will send a panic in the enemy's camp like the enemy has sent to this nation in the last year. I'm going to say it again. I will send terror in the enemy's camp like the terror that he sent on my people in 2020. Honey, this ain't 2020. This is 2021 and somebody shouted, we ain't hiding no more. Come on, shout it. We ain't hiding no more. Come out. Come out wherever you are. Be a leader. Be strong. Be persuasive. Be influential. Be anointed. Get out in front. Lead your family. Lead your wife. Lead your children. Lead your church. Woo! The Philistine expected these boys to go back in the caves. When the Philistines said, show yourself to us, they thought they were going to go back in the caves like everybody else. But they didn't do it, Christian. They climbed instead of caving. Shout it with me, climb, don't cave. Say it like you mean it, climb, don't cave. 
Now look, mess up your forehead and look at somebody and tell them, climb. Don't cave in. Say it again, climb up. Don't cave in. And as soon as they did that, God shook the earth. And the, you can read it later. The Philistines fled from the people of God. And all they did, all it takes is one. And guess what that one had, Aaron? He had one. Come here, Josh. All the one had was one. All it takes is one. Because one can make another. If this one will do what God says, and this one will follow this one who is doing what God says, then there will be, stand up, Aaron, then there will be, a, you don't have, you, you leave your guitar on, you're going to need it, that's a weapon. If this one will do what God says, and that one will watch this one doing what God says, then that one will see that one watching this one doing what God says, and it becomes one after another because all it takes is... Now watch. You can sit back down, Aaron. Watch this. When one influenced one, then every one else that was hiding saw one influence another, and the Bible says they all came out. Y'all missed that right there. One influenced one, and everybody else was watching, and they said, man, they are killing those Philistines. They killed 20 in a half acre. If two can kill 20 in a half acre, what if we come out of hiding? What if we all come out and say enough is enough? We'll defeat the whole Philistine army. All it takes is, can I get one to stand up on your feet and give God a crazy praise in this building? Come on, look at somebody around you and tell them, climb up. Come on, tell them again, climb up. Don't go down. Don't go down in depression. Don't go down in oppression. Don't go down. Go up. Holy Ghost, fall in this place and these people feel your power. Holy Ghost, energize this sanctuary. Holy Spirit, energize these people to say I can and I will. Woo! Throw your hands up, everybody, and begin to praise him as loud as you can. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, that's good. That's not good enough. Come on, lift your voice. Intimidation is the enemy's greatest weapon. I'm going to say it again. Intimidation is the enemy's greatest weapon. He intimidates us out of stuff. He has no power to do anything. He just sends sounds and we... You know what? I bind the spirit of intimidation off you. I'm watching preachers in this day. They are like... Jekyll and Hyde. They're just trying to be so right all the time 
they're, they're saying stuff these people are saying one day and the next day they're saying what these people are saying. Man, stay with the Bible. And I don't care what they say or they say. Just say what God says. And if they get mad and they get bad, shake your head and say, I don't care. I'm going to do what God said to do. And if you'll do it by yourself, before long you'll get one behind you. And you look back there and that one has another one. And then suddenly a whole congregation is coming out of hiding saying enough is enough. If you're ready to see victory, somebody shout, I see victory in my future. I hear that song. Hold on one second. Stay with it. Keep playing. Watch this. Thanks of God. Listen to Pastor Rick. Some of you are facing stuff that you've been hiding from. Stand up and tell the enemy enough is enough. I don't care what my daddy did. I don't care what anybody else has done. The buck stops with me. The curse ends right here. My children, their children, their children shall be blessed because I made up in my mind to be pure. I made up in my mind to persevere. I made up in my mind the purpose of God in my life is the most important thing I will ever enjoy. I am settled on that fact. And stand up and look at every addiction in your family, every curse that's being passed down, and tell the devil, enough is enough. I'm coming after you in the name of Jesus Christ. You ain't got to come looking for me, because I am looking for you. And mountain, you shall bow down. Who are you, great mountain? 